So you all know I'm an intern, and I was looking at Moses' life. I'm a junior compared to when Moses saw the burning bush and was sent out at 80 years old. And then the next 40 years, he spent time taking the people out of Egypt. So one of my professors likes to say, sit with the text. Sit with the text. And I struggled this past two weeks with the text. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to take this literally. So I went out on my balcony, chairs, sat down, opened my Bible, and set it in the next chair. <laughs> and I sat with the text. <laughs> so a little something happened. Um, I wasn't rushed because I was sitting with the word. So I'm going to ask you all to join me in sitting with the text. We're going to read this in just a moment. Please open your pew Bibles to page 506, which will take you to Psalm 4610, and then sit it next to you on the pew, right next to you. Now, you see above me, there is a family genealogy. And the family genealogy shows us where people are. We're going to be talking about the sons of Korah, or in Hebrew, Korach. And Levi was one son of, well, he was the brother of Reuben sons of Jacob. So there were 12. He's one, one of the tribes. I want to focus on him. And as you see down the line, Kohath, which they call them Kohathites, had a son, Izar, and Izar had three sons. And if you follow the line down to Korah, he had three sons, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. Those are the sons of Korah that we will talk about today. So while you're sitting with the text, let's open up with prayer. Heavenly and glorious Father, it is in your name that we come to learn more about your word. Open the hearts and the ears and the minds of your people. Give me clarity of speech. Continue to bless your musicians, those who play songs of worship and add to their numbers here in this congregation. This we pray in Jesus' name. So God assigned a duty to Aaron and Moses. Aaron and Moses were the cousins of Korah. And they were, I guess, first-generation cousins. 
And as first generation of cousins, they were uh, children of brothers. But God had given them the assignment, Aaron and Moses, to, well, really it was Aaron to be priest. And Moses was over all of the tribes. And this was an assignment given by Moses. You see this in Exodus. And I encourage you to focus on the lives of these people. And this was during the time frame that we're looking at is while they were in the wilderness of Sinai. And as they grew in their assignments, there was some opposition. We always have opposition in our lives, but they had serious oppositions from Cousin Korah. Cousin Korah felt like his, his tribe had been given an assignment that was lesser than priest. They were the doorkeepers. They had a job carrying the tools of the sanctuary. And so they weren't happy with that. Korah rose up against Moses and said, how did you assign yourself leader over this? And, Korah, and Moses was very confused as I would have been because this was an assignment by God. These are people who are accustomed to hearing the voice of God. They were not lost to God's word and God's voice. They had the Torah, they had the, um, they had the tent of meetings, they had the sanctuary, they had the holy of holies. They were not lost to God in that sense. They knew God's voice. Yet and still, Korah decided he wanted something more. So here, we have in ancient times a story that has gone through time, jealousy, anger, unhappiness with what God has given someone to do. So Korah decides he's going to recruit a bunch of folks. He recruited 200 and 249 other people, 250 with himself. He recruited 249 leaders in the church or in the tribe. So these were high-profile leaders. They were in charge of many, and they decided that they were going to believe what Korah said. So there were a couple of other people that went along with Korah a few Reubenites. It didn't matter what happened with the Reubenites. They were not going to end up being Levites. They were not going to end up being in the temple. So the two, Abiram and Dathan. So Abiram and Dathan don't appear there, but they are Reuben's offspring. Reuben was already upset with his life because he lost his inheritance. He lost his firstborn right. We won't go into those details, but it's in the book. 
Well, there was so much going on. Here we have the Israelites roaming around in the wilderness trying to find the promised land. They have the Assyrians on the outside waging war, and war is brewing right at home. Well, God wasn't pleased. Because the war that Korah was brewing was not against Moses and Aaron. It was against God. Do you know when God appoints someone, there's nothing we can do about it. And we can pray and we can ask God for a different choice. But it's God's world and it's God's country. It's God who decided that Moses would be the leader and Aaron's offspring would handle the most precious parts of the sanctuary. So <laughs> I love Moses because Moses realized that God was not pleased and there was conversation. They had words between he and Korah. But when Moses realized that this was going nowhere, <laughs> he hit the ground flat on his face before God. Because he knew that God's wrath was coming. And he said to the people, step back. Get away from the tents of Korah. Kind of sounds like what was said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And so <laughs> Moses demanded, commanded that they step away. And the earth opened up. And Korah and his company were swallowed up by the earth. The next few minutes, 250 people were either swallowed or devoured by fire. So, solve the problem. <laughs> Gone. But it didn't solve the problem. Because the very next day, people began to complain again, now accusing Moses of doing something wrong all over again. So Moses came up with a plan according to God, but they wouldn't listen. So again, Moses hit the ground face down and he gave an assignment to Aaron to go out amongst the people because God had begun to strike the people with a plague, those who were complaining. And he told Aaron to go out between the crowd and make a sacrifice. The sacrifice was made, but not before 14,700 people perished. Now, what do they say? Do you hear me now? <laughs> So I think they got the message for a short while, but we know the wilderness wanderings. 
So now we get to the sons of Korah. What a burden of guilt because they were not devoured. The three that you see before me. They were not devoured. That's a burden of guilt. Like having an accident and you're the only one that lives, five people in the car. Something along those lines. Why me? And so we can easily go into a deep, dark place. But the sons of Korah did not. There was, there's a story uh, about, if you know Tennessee history, an illegitimate governor in the 1900s was born to an unwed mother, elected two times to, the, uh, to be governor of Tennessee. What a burden of guilt that he had to bear for his parent, his parents. And so now Korah, the sons of Korah have to bear the burden of guilt for their parents. It shouldn't be so, but it happens. They are alive and people are looking at them. Let's read, you sit with the text long enough now, let's read together 46.10. This is the sons of Korah. And what does it say? Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. Do you believe that? Be still and know that I am God, it says. The sons of Korah had a reason for saying that because all of everything, turmoil, everything that was happening around them. And they're saying, listen, here's a message for you all later. Be still because God is God. Know this. We're no different than the Korahites. We're no different than the Israelites. Our troubles today are a lot the same. We just look different. We have our own homes. We don't live in tents. We don't live in the wilderness. We don't live amongst the cattle, the goats, the pigs, or whatever, well, probably no pigs, but whatever else they had, <laughs> we don't live that way. So we live in relative comfort, wouldn't you say? But we still have troubles in this world. We have not escaped those troubles. There's war, wars, rumors of wars, and the media. The pandemic and the media. Governments and truth and we have troubles and we don't know what to do we're pulling from everywhere we we wake up we pull that cell phone we read the news we go to our computers we read the same news 
We step outside of our house, we get our phones, we read the same news. I looked at my phone last night, I woke up this morning, and the same topic was there. And I thought, why do I want to know about these people on the West Coast and their marital troubles? I don't know them. So we have the prevalence of the media in our faces. When I was a little girl, my father used to send me, when he was in Korea, he used to send me um, the tapes. And I could hear in the background bombs going off. I didn't know what that was. I just a bunch of noise to me. All I wanted to hear was daddy's voice. I didn't know that I should be afraid that he may not come home because he was sending me tapes quite regularly. But it was a war going on somewhere or something. They were running exercises. We are faced with the war because it is in front of us. I was faced with it because my father was there and opened me up to it without me realizing. We have other troubles. Troubles facing the church. Not just the Church of the Lakes, but the Church Universal. Watered-down gospel teaching, poor discipleship models, a cultural shift to what's going on outside these doors. That's called the secularism. What do we want as a group of people? We want blessings without being obedient, comfort without sacrifice. We want happiness, but without repentance. We cannot see between the bells and the whistles. We want everything. But the church cannot operate on the 80-20 principle. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. All hands, and this is for my military folks, all hands on deck. Everybody, everybody needs to be involved. People of God, we have personal challenges. We have loneliness and disconnection from our community. The pandemic didn't just bring this on. It's been a long time coming. The pandemic just added fuel to the fire. We have a problem with action. We come on Sunday, we go home. And I'm talking about the church universal. We need action. We are a people motivated by what we do for others. And then one that's really, I think, very serious for the community of people of God. Music. We heard this beautiful music this morning. And there's more to come. And this music 
speaks of God, but there is music that comes up on worship playlist. It sounds good, but when you listen to it, they never mention anything about God. Say, you have changed me, and I am now new. Well, who changed you? Did I just meet someone and they changed me? Who, did, who is this you? I don't know, and I don't sing, so I'm not going any further than what I just did. <laughs> but pay attention to the music that you're listening to, you, us, me, listen to before. And I will send a person a song, but before I send it, I want to hear that it is going to touch what needs to happen. And it's going to have some reference to God in the first 30 seconds or so. Four minute song, two minutes in, and you say, Father, I still don't know who you're talking about. So we have troubles, and our troubles are in front of us. We need to pay attention. The sons of Korah have left us a message. And this is an ode to them that we heed the message. And that is, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Now, with all the fighting, I don't think that Korah would have come out and said, be still and know that I'm God. That's God speaking. And in reality, what it means is stop fighting. Stop the war. Be at peace with one another. You can't get anywhere arguing, fighting one another. Be at peace. Be still. Know that I am God. Now, there was a lot of grace in God's uh, in the ancient times. The sons of Korah, as I mentioned, did not die. Aaron made atonement, and God accepted that atonement, and only 14,700 people perished. But the sons of Korah, if it were my dad, I would have been right there with him in the beginning until I realized that this is not the place to be. So in this instance, he had to go against the commandment to honor your father and mother so that your days will be long upon this earth. He had to go against that and turn his back on his father. He had to move away from Korah's tent, all three of them. So God honored and forgave. The sons of Korah are musicians. They were appointed by, by David and by Moses. And so you will see that there are psalms in their names. So you can see that on the board, their legacy of faithfulness. And I encourage you to read each one of those psalms. God's grace today. Now, I... Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel truth. We have to confess 
We have to confess with our mouths. And so in that confession, next slide, the entire psalm it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Doesn't matter what's going on, God is our help. Not your neighbor, not the army, not the military. They're out there doing what they've been called to do. But that's not our help, God is. Therefore, we make this statement, therefore we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Think about that. Doesn't matter what happens. Earthquakes, tornadoes, thunderstorms. God is our refuge. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. War starts in the morning. That's when the enemy attacks. So they have all day long through daylight to fight our souls, to fight our neighbors, to do whatever needs to happen. But the nation are in uproars. The kingdom totters. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He will stop all that is going on at his pleasure. God makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And again, he says, be still and know that I am God, I am exalted among the nations, I am exalted throughout the world. And our declaration together is, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. So that's our confession, that's our statement, but I'll close with these words from Paul in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, we ask you, brothers, to acknowledge those who labor among you and are appointed over you in the Lord and instruct you. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace amongst yourselves. Now we exhort you, our brothers, Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, support the weak, and be patient toward everyone. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Amen.